in the spiritual things that we have trouble seeing and understanding. And so, um, I believe God intends to reveal himself in multiple ways, and he does that by, um, by the, the revelation that he's given us over and over and over again. So we've been using this uh, text in Revelation 21. I'm going to read it to you again. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God. He shall be my son. <clears throat> That's what we're talking about. <clears throat> the fact that God wants to be with us. God wants to dwell among us. That's what he's always done. From the very beginning, he created Adam and Eve for fellowship. And through the fall, we lost that fellowship, but then God immediately began to restore it. And that's, that's what he's been doing ever since then, is trying to restore that fellowship with him. And that even though it's not perfect like it was originally, we're learning how to walk it out so that it gets better all the time. Good. That's what we're trying to talk about, is that God wants to dwell with us and be our God, and we are supposed to be his people, his children the more we learn about that and learn how to walk that out, the more it begins to be a reality and it plays out in real life. And in that passage we read in Revelation, it says, making all things new. And I'm, I'm thankful that we don't have to wait till we get to heaven for a lot of things to be made new. He's making it new right now. But God is a gentleman too, and he doesn't force himself on us. And so the plan is, just like, like Jesus said, come, all y'all that are laboring and heavy laden, you come to me and I'll give you rest for your souls. But we have a choice. We've always got a choice. If you don't come, you're not going to get the rest for your soul. That might seem kind of harsh, but that's just the way it is. You know, God is offering us this wonderful gift and we have to receive the gift. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't pay for it. You're not good enough, and you never could be. Don't even try. Don't think about it. Just receive the free gift. Amen. And so, you know, when, when he offers the gift, our choice is you say yes. And if you don't say yes, you're saying no. And you might not think about it that way, but that's the honest truth. And some people, you know, they don't, they don't understand that, and they think, well, you know, I... I, I, believe in, I believe in God, you know, I, I believe, I, I go to church, you know, sometimes, and, 
That's not what we're talking about. God wants, he wants you, all of you, all the time. Because he wants to be your God. He wants to come down and dwell in us and be our God. And that's, that requires us saying yes to him more than just an hour or so on Sunday morning. And I think that's the problem with most of Christianity today is that we have gotten to the place in our lives where we think that's what Christianity is. We think that's what being a Christian is. We go to church for an hour or so on Sunday morning. Maybe we give a little money in the offering. Uh, you know, we maybe every now and then we'll say a, a blessing before we feed our faces, you know, at lunch. Maybe we do a few things. Maybe we'll even tell someone, you know, yeah, yeah, man, God's good. Or, you know, after 9-11, it became really popular. Everybody, God bless you. God bless you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They kick you all the way down to the curb. And God bless you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's more than just a popularity or a fad thing. This is a, <clears throat> it is supposed to be a way of life. Everything we do ought to be geared towards letting God be God in our lives and we being his people, representatives of his kingdom. And that's a great honor and privilege, but it also brings a responsibility. You know, if, if you're supposed to be representing God's kingdom, then uh, you might want to think about, you know, losing your temper and yelling at somebody. You might want to think about, you know, running people off the road and what, shaking your fist and honking and, you know, uh, things that we, some of us do, you know, and we might not be proud about it, but if most of us are being honest, you know, we have our moments where we don't behave exactly like we ought to. And, uh, so I'm, I'm no different. There are times where I, you know, why are you, you know, and I'm, not, you know, I usually don't actually say it, but inside, you know, I'm all twisted up. Mike? Could we ask Oh, yeah. Yeah, she'd tell you. <coughs> I'm actually, I, she's, well, this is what she says about me. She says, you may not really say anything, but I can tell when you're mad. You get that little straight line lip thing going on. It's like, I don't know what she's talking about, but evidently everybody seems to know it. So uh, I don't really hide what's going on inside, but I don't usually say a whole lot outside. But my face shows it. And so I'm working on that. I'm working on a different look. God wants to give us all a different look, doesn't he? Amen. Amen. You know, that's what, the, that's what the word hypocrite literally means in the Greek. It's a mask. And you've got a look on that's not you. And we need to take our masks off and we need to just unveil everything and say, I don't need to say it to you. I need to be saying it to God. I need to be saying, Lord, here I am. And I'm just giving myself to you fully. I submit myself to you. I lay everything before you, naked and bare, humble myself and say, here I am. You show me the things that need to be fixed, the things that need to be healed, things that need to be changed or removed. And when you begin to pray that on a regular basis, God will speak to you. And there'll be some things that you'll be surprised about things that might have been part of your life for a really long time and you realize they're not so good for you. Moses was a pretty amazing guy. He was the most humble man in the entire earth is what the Bible says about him. 
You know he wrote that, by the way. <laughs> so, but he, I mean, he was stating a fact. You know, he was saying what God told him to say. Uh, so, uh, but it's an interesting thing because he was humble, and yet he knew who he was. But he wasn't without his problems. You know, he had he had struggles and issues in life. We've all we've all got that going on. You know, we we know in our mind that. You know, God has called me. God's given me this thing to do. He's gifted me or given me these talents or whatever. And we know that about ourselves. But then when things don't work out right, we start questioning it and wondering about it. Anyway, interesting thing about Moses. Um, when God called him at the burning bush, you know, God called to him out of the bush and he went over there. And, and you know, it was God initiating this this thing, and then Moses responded to it by saying, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to see what this is all about. God investigated, God called him, Moses said yes. And then in the course of their conversation, you know, God was saying, I need you to, to go and set my people free, and Moses, he's giving him all the excuses, all the reasons why he couldn't do it. And uh, by the way, Moses had been tromping around tending sheep for 40 years, you know, and he had this rod. He uses a shepherd's rod, you know, and that was, that was just part of his life. He had that with him all the time. He thought that was, that was right and good. And God asked him, said, what's that you got in your hand? And he said, a rod. And he said, throw it down. And it turned into a serpent. Just think about this, you know, Moses, he sees the serpent and... <gasps> You know, think about this now. He's been carrying that thing around in his hand for 40 years, thinking it was part of him, it was a good part of him, it was right, this is what I use every day in my job. And yet, it was something in him that he had from Egypt because Pharaoh was the serpent king. God says, I need to redeem that rod in your hand and turn it into something that I can use turn it into something that's beneficial to you, even though you've been carrying this thing around with you all this time, and you didn't know it, but the thing has probably been causing your problems. How many things do we carry around in our life that we, we don't realize? We think, this is just part of me. This is who I am. I was born this way. I've always been like this. That's the way I was taught. You know? My parents taught me, you know, do it this way. Why, my house, we, how many of us have heard that, you know? Well, in this house, this is what you do. I don't care what Joe does down the street. You know, we're going to do it this way. Well, some of those ways are not right. Some of those ways are just downright wrong. But we're proudly carrying them around in our lives, have been for 40 years, going about our business with snakes and things in our hands that, we need to be set free of something to think about. So when you pray every day and you ask the Lord to show you things, let him show you everything. You know, be open. Because some of the things that he might show you, it will surprise you. Things that have been a part of your life since you were a little bitty and you've always thought that way. You've always responded that way. You've always been that way. Maybe that's always been wrong. Maybe God wants to heal you and change you so that you won't be like that anymore. Sorry. Sometimes the truth hurts, doesn't it? Hurts bad sometimes. So Moses, 
he responded to the Lord, and he went, he went back to Egypt, and he told all the people, and uh, man, they all got excited. You know, we're going to get free. We're going to get out of Egypt. And he went to Pharaoh, and he told Pharaoh, you need to set God's people free. And his response was somewhat less than enthusiastic. It's like, who, who is this God? And, you know, I don't know him. I don't care anything about him. You know, go on. And then he began to impose stricter slavery problems on the children of Israel. And, and Moses kind of freaked out, you know, and he, he said, Lord, what's the deal, man? You sent me here to, to set your people free, and they're in, they're in worse shape now than before I came. And so this is what God says to him. He says, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will let them go. And with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, that is, El Shaddai. But my name, by my name, Lord, or Jehovah, I was not known to them. So God is revealing himself in a whole new way to Moses so that he would understand, you know, this isn't just the same old, same old. I'm doing a new thing here. I'm showing you something about myself that I haven't shown anybody before. Now, I'm not at all saying that, you know, we're getting all these new revelations that nobody's ever had before. What I'm saying is God wants to show us stuff that we haven't seen before. And our relationship with the Lord needs to be changing all the time. We need to begin to see him more and more. It's not just the almighty God but began to see him as the self-existent one from ever and ever and ever who was and is and is to come and will never change. The God who, who spoke everything into existence. He said, let there be light. And there was light. And he said, I'm going to separate the light from the darkness. And he, he caused day and night and the sun and the moon and the stars, the seasons and everything. He spoke all that into existence. And then Hebrews 1 tells us that by the same power of his word, he keeps it all in functioning just like he spoke it into existence. God's word is awesome. It is so powerful and so amazing. Why would we ever want to doubt what he says? And yet, in our everyday lives, don't we many times doubt? You know, you're going through a hard time, and you begin to think about, well, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm not going to get healed, or I don't know. What am I going to do about that bill I owe? What am I going to do about this brokenness in this relationship? Or I don't know what to do. I don't know what decision to make. God's word is so powerful and it's alive and he wants to speak it to each one of us for our daily needs. That's what Jesus told them to pray. Every day, pray this. Your kingdom come, your will be done right here like it is up there and, and give us this day the stuff that we need today. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. I just need what I need today. And deliver me from the evil one. And I'm going to just be a happy camper. You know? We, don't, we, we worry about so many things that we are, we are just worrying for nothing. Today has enough problems. We don't need to worry about tomorrow. It's got problems of its own. And last week is already behind us. So there's no point in fretting over that anymore. No point in beating yourself up or kicking yourself or, or, or whining and crying about how you messed up and walking around in condemnation. If you feel bad about last week or last year or 20 years ago or whatever, I'd like to just suggest to you that's probably the devil telling you that. God tells us 
that we are redeemed. God wants to speak life into us. The devil wants to speak death into us. He wants to say, you're worthless, you're messed up, you're broken, you're never going to be any different. That's who you are. Just live with it. Well, I don't want to live with it. God says I'm redeemed. God says I'm being made new. All things are becoming new. And I want to hang on to that because that's what God says about me. We need to get on board with what God says and not what the world says, not what doctors say, not what the news media says, not what, you know, sister so-and-so says. I mean, you, I'm telling you, you can have a wonderful Christian friend that will just drag you down into the lowest of the lowest. And they don't, oh, they're meaning well, you know. I'm just trying to encourage you, brother. <laughs> well, it ain't working. You, we need to focus on what God says. We, we have a tendency to just let things come in and settle into our minds. And uh, wow, you can get yourself in trouble because what you think, those thoughts, they actually change the way your brain functions and your brain causes your body to function. And so just think about that. The way that your thoughts are changes the way your mind or your brain works and your brain causes your body to operate in a certain way. That speaks to not only our, our mental health and our, our emotional health, <clears throat> but it speaks to our physical health as well. If your brain is telling your body you're sick or you got pain all the time, you're probably going to be having sick and pain all the time. If your body is listening to your brain, your brain needs to be telling your body good things. And the way your brain tells your body good things is when your mind, your soul, your will is beginning to think and entertain good thoughts, positive thoughts, thoughts of God's Word, who we are in Christ, how we're changed, how we're a new creation, how we're being made new in every area. We begin to think those kind of thoughts. Our brain actually is restructured. It begins to grow differently inside, and it begins to change the way our bodies react even. Pretty amazing. And I want to I do some more teaching on it. We've got to learn some more about it because there's a lot to learn about that. But I'm encouraged because it's, it helps explain a lot of the things that, that happen to us, and we can't really understand it. We don't know why this happens. You know, if you have an addiction problem, it's, you can't just say, okay, I don't want to be that way anymore. I mean, you have to do some things. And that's why you go into these places and they separate you from everything for months, you know, and they retrain you. That's what that's all about. You're retraining your mind to think differently and respond differently. Well, in the spiritual world, it's the same thing. You can get healed. You can get set free. But if you don't change the way that you think, you're going you're gonna to go right back into that same stuff because your mind has been, it's been altered. You know, if you used to hear the mind-altering drugs. Well, there's a lot of mind-altering things. When you think wrong, your mind is altered, and you need to be set free of that. And the only way you can really be set free is to renew your mind, which is by God's Word. We begin to meditate on His Word. We begin to repeat it over and over in our mind, and we have positive thoughts. It begins to cause our mind to grow the positive uh, cells, actually changes the physical makeup of our brains, and then you can walk fully in the freedom that we're intended to walk in. But if you think it's all just going to be a miracle and you don't have any part to play, 
you're kind of deceiving yourself. You can get set free as a miracle, but if you're going to walk it out for the rest of your life, you better do something besides just trusting that one miracle. And that's what cleansing streams is partly all about. It's learning how to deal with those things in your life. So Moses, he went back to Egypt and uh, he did eventually get the people free. God did do exactly what he said he was going to do. It says he, uh, he caused Pharaoh to actually run him out of Egypt. And he just said, you know, go. And, uh, and they actually didn't just go, but they, they went with a lot of wealth too because God told them, uh, borrow stuff from the neighbors and, and friends. And so people gave to them sil silver and gold and jewelry. And, and when they left, they didn't go out empty-handed. They went out wealthy. And God delivered them. He says, you're going to know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from the burdens of the Egyptians and I'm going to bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. Now, I just want to remind you that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob never saw that promise fulfilled to them. But in Hebrews it says that they saw it from afar. They saw it from a long distance. That's a good Texas expression, afar. I've seen it from afar. Well, they embraced it, it says. They, they saw God's promise in the future, in the distance. But they embraced it right now. And that's what we have to do every day of our lives, folks. You've got you to see what God is saying about you, and you've got to embrace that. You can't just, just let it be off in the distance and just say, oh, well, maybe I'll get there someday. You won't ever get there if that's the way you approach it. You've got to see it, and you've got to embrace it right now. And you've got to begin to say, I'm, I'm living it. I'm doing it. I am going to be who God says I'm going to be. I am going to walk in the abundant life. I am going to walk in the Spirit. I am going to have dominion over sin in my life. Sin is not going to have dominion over me anymore. When you begin to proclaim that, you begin to believe that about yourself, you've got a fighting chance of doing it. But if you just keep going around saying, I'm just going to be the same old way, you're just probably going to be the same old way. It's all about knowing. And you know, this is not a name it, claim it thing. I'm not saying that. But it's about knowing and, and speaking things that are good, healthy things and believing it and acting accordingly. Begin to live and do the things that God is saying for you to live and do. This whole, this whole spiritual life, it's, it's kind of a mystery, but it's mostly really simple stuff. Just... Believe what God says. You ever see that movie, Arachnophobia? Well, John Goodman, you know, he's this uh, termite spraying guy, and he comes out there, and he's down there in the basement, and all the wood's rotten, and the lady, oh, what do we do? He, well, take out bad wood and put in good. That's what we need to do in our spiritual lives. Just take out the bad stuff and put in the good. Everything that's not of God is pretty much the bad stuff. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't have a regular job. You can't, you know, have a wonderful, loving relationship with your family and friends. And, you know, all that's part of life. But, but we have to begin to, on a regular basis, give God a chance to make us into the person that he intended for us to be. He's got such a great plan for each one of us. I mean... He created us. He created everything. He thought it all out in advance. You know, science is just now catching up on some things, what God thought out and planned and did in advance. You know, and they think they're so smart because they finally figured out what God did, a, you know, 
thousands of years ago. He's got a good plan for us. It's way better than the plan we've got for ourselves. It's way better than what we've dreamed up. It's way better than what we've envisioned. And we ought to just say yes to his plan. If we'll begin to do that on a regular basis, I believe you'll begin to feel like you're living the abundant life because your perspective is everything. And when you begin to see yourself as God sees you, you'll think differently about yourself. And as you think differently about yourself, you won't feel the same way about the situations you face on a regular daily basis. And you'll begin to see that you're not defeated and you're not under the enemy's feet, but he is under your feet. Now, we don't always walk that out. I'm not claiming that I don't have my problems and struggles and I get whooped, you know, from time to time. And I'm still battling some things in, in, our, in our family, things that God needs to, to redeem and set right. But I, I have hope. Because as long as I have breath, I have hope that God can completely heal. God can completely change. God can reconcile brokenness. God can do the things that need to happen. Because I, I believe that that's what God wants to do. I have hope. And that hope, it gives me the, the ability to go on every day and not, not be discouraged. Now, if I choose to think about all my problems, I mean, it, it, it can be pretty discouraging. But we've got to be people of hope. And, and the greatest part of all that is that God wants to be with us. He chose to come and dwell among us. He wants to live in our hearts. He wants to be our God. He wants us to be his people. That's a pretty tough act to follow right there. And all the stuff that we struggle with and all of our problems and issues, if we could just figure out that much that God really wants to dwell with us, we'd be filled with hope. And if we're filled with hope, everything looks different. And it doesn't have to even change. That's the thing that is so amazing. Your circumstances can still be all messed up and broken and rotten and falling apart. But if you have hope, it's okay. Hope is really powerful. And when you are hopeless, you're in trouble. We need to make sure we're maintaining our hope. That's one of the, that's one of the most basic things that comes with a Christian life is that we have hope and we can have joy, we can have peace and we can have love. Those are things that we all crave things that we need in order to be happy and successful in everyday life and relationship. If you don't have love and hope and joy and peace, you're pretty miserable. And those things are not relative to your circumstances. The world believes that that's what peace is. It's the absence of problems. They think love is when, you know, people love you. And, oh, yeah, yeah, I love you too. And they think, you know, the joy is when everything is going well. Woohoo! yeah, it's all great. You know, that's, that's not the way it is in the spiritual realm. We have those things because it's in us. Because the Spirit of God lives in us. And He gives us those things as part of His presence. And when we have those things operating in our lives, everything else really doesn't matter that much anymore. We can be, like Paul said, you know, we can be uh, taken to the, like sheep to the slaughter all day long, killed for your name's sake, and it's all good. Now, I don't want to die necessarily, but I'm saying that we can endure all kinds of problems and difficulties and struggles, and we can endure it 
with a big smile on our face and we can endure it with a yeehaw and we can endure it with peace in our hearts because God lives in us. That's pretty cool. God wants to, he wants us to be so convinced of that that nothing, nothing will deter us, nothing will distract us, nothing will, will uh, cause us to, to lose our hope and our joy and our peace. Eddie, y'all come on back. So <clears throat> knowing that, that God has got it all together kind of changes everything. And um, next week we're probably going to wrap up talking about Moses, but he had this great relationship with the Lord, and it says that you know, God talked to him face to face like a man talks with his friend. And uh, Moses... I think he saw God as, as who he really was. It's different than the, than the rest of the people. The regular children of Israel, you know, they saw God as this big scary guy that, you know, you know you, boy, if you get near him, something bad's going to happen to you probably. And Moses understood that God was a God of love and that he was a God of mercy and grace and he wanted to reveal himself in all of his goodness. And so Moses was able to approach God and experience all that without total panic and fear. Although it does say in Hebrews that when he, when he was there and God was speaking to him, that he was exceedingly afraid and trembling. To be in the very presence of God and him speaking in an audible voice and thunder and lightning and fire and smoke. and I mean, I'm sure it's... it's you know, we don't, we don't really experience that sort of thing, you know, so we're, I'm sure we would be exceedingly fearful also. But the thing is, Moses understood enough about the heart of God that he was willing to approach him, even though all of that was going on. And the rest of the people, they were totally freaked out. Ah, no! And they even, they told Moses, please, please, you just go and talk to God and tell us what he says. We don't want God talking to us. Can you imagine? Can you imagine saying that to God? I don't want you to talk to me. I'm too scared. If, you're, if you have thoughts like that, you need to learn more about the nature of God because He is not scary. Now, He is awesome and He is to be revered, but He is not scary. He is a God of love, and He is inviting us to come. Let's stand and worship.
So if you happen to be here this morning and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, then uh, I want to give you an opportunity. I always want to make that available. You may be a person that's been in church all of your life, but have never actually done that. And you've just thought, well, I've been in church all my life. But you know, each one of us has to be, as an individual, responsible to invite Jesus to come and be the Lord of their life. There's no grandchildren or great-grandchildren, just children. Now you can be from a family that's been believers forever. That doesn't make you a believer. Everyone has to make their own choice and their own commitment to the Lord. So if you don't know the Lord and you'd like to do that today, you know, I invite you to come. We'll meet and talk and pray, and it, it's a simple thing. to change your life forever. If you have any other prayer requests or needs, uh, we're going we're gonna to agree together. Uh, Jackie Page is going through a, a time. Uh, she's got a real desperate need. She's, she's being asked to... Uh, move out of the facility that she's in. She's not sure where she's going or what's going to happen there. So we want to lift her up. So Lord, we, we agree together as your people. We love Jackie. and We just ask that you would go before her, Lord, and prepare the way. Work a miracle in her, Lord, that, that what she needs, Lord, would be provided through a miraculous intervention on your part, Lord. Whatever that looks like and however that comes about, Lord, we know that you are more than able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And so be God on Jackie's behalf now, Lord. Bring, bring the miracle that she needs. However you do it, Lord, is fine with us. We just ask that you intercede and that you intervene on her part, and that you cause this to, to all work out in Jesus' name. If you have any other needs, you want prayer, we'll, we'll meet you at the altar and pray as we're worshiping. Come on down.
And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his brilliant countenance upon you and grant you his perfect peace. Go and be blessed. We have snacks and fellowship and enjoy one another. Cleansing streams. Uh, is going to be meeting next door in a little while. God is doing wonderful things in our lives. Let's, let's expect more and more and more of his goodness. In Jesus' name, go and be blessed.